Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, the Savior, the substitute, and the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Now, we've been seeing the early days of, of the public ministry, and he's near the Sea of Galilee. He's in northern Israel. He's been doing a couple of things. First of all, he's been teaching the Word of God. And that's the thing that we see over and over. And we've talked about this because a lot of times people will say things like, well, Jesus did stories. No, you can see over and over that he taught the Word of God. And then second, he has demonstrated his power over sickness and nature and demons and all of these things. And so we're seeing that now. As we continue this morning, we're going to see, I think, one of the most powerful truths in our study. Jesus Christ shows that he has the power to forgive sin. This shows that he's the Messiah. This shows that he is the Savior and the Son of God. Why? Because only God can forgive sin. And the truth is we all need the forgiveness of sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we realize, and we'll see it more in a little bit more details, that forgiveness of sin comes by faith. And Jesus is the one who brings forgiveness. As we study this morning, we're going to see his power over disease and his power over sin. May we give glory to our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to our perfect God. We're sinners. The wages of sin is death. We're to be separated from God, but God in His great love. I love the Ephesians passage in Ephesians where it says, but God being rich in His mercy with His great love in which He loved us, He has given us His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died and rose again, paying for the sins of mankind. 1 John 2, 2. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. We have the payment of sin. But I want you to understand something. Listen carefully because I'm going to get into it a little bit later when we get into the passage. There is a difference between the payment of sin and forgiveness of sin. Jesus Christ died and rose again, and he paid for the sins of the world. The payment has been made. First John 2, 2, satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the whole world. But forgiveness of sin comes by faith. All have the payment of sin. That happened when Jesus died on the cross. Forgiveness of sin comes by faith. This morning we're going to see Jesus forgiving the sins of a paralyzed man. And we're going to see how it fit together. And we'll take time to talk about payment of sin and forgiveness of sin. May we understand the difference. Well, let's begin. We're seeing the early ministry. We're still in the early part, Luke chapter 5. We're in the area of Jesus in the northern part of Israel. He's around the Sea of Galilee. He is doing two, two things, as we mentioned a while ago. He's teaching the Word of God. And when he teaches, the people are amazed. They're going, he teaches with authority. And then he's performing these miracles and these signs to point out who he is. And when he does it, once again, the people are amazed. Now, Jesus did the miracles to demonstrate that he is the Son of God. God, the Savior of the world, the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of the world. But Jesus teaches the Word so that the people would know and understand who He is and they would know the Word of God and they would make application in their lives. You know, we do the same thing. We don't always think about it, but we're to teach the Word of God so people will understand the Scripture and we're to also point out to people who Jesus is, that He's the Savior of the world. Now this morning, I think it's a great passage. We're going to start at verse 12 and go through verse 26. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we'll see the first part in verses 12 through 16. Jesus heals this leper. The leper comes to him. Jesus touches the leper, and Jesus gives him some commands, and we'll see what that is. Then the second part we see, and this is the key one, Jesus forgives sin. They're, they're bringing this paralyzed man. Jesus, in front of everybody, forgives sin. And then the next thing is that Jesus shows the power to forgive, and that's when he tells the man to get up and walk, and we'll see the response. It is amazement and giving glory to God. So it's very powerful, and, and we'll see it this morning. 
morning, Jesus' power. As we've been looking at this. We've seen over a while he, he forgave. You know, we saw his power over demons. And we saw his power over the nature. And we saw his power over diseases. Well, now we're going to see his power to forgive sin, which is so fantastic. Last time, as we ended, it seems like forever ago, but it was only two weeks ago. But last time, we saw that Jesus chose four men to work with him. It was Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he told them they had been fishing. And, and he said, don't worry about it. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. And so they've left everything. They've become disciples. They had believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. That salvation cost nothing. Now they're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That cost everything. They've, they left everything behind, and they followed. And he's called them to leave their fishing business and to, to be fishers of men. Now, this morning, as we go through this, two events, starting with verse 12, going through verse 26, we see him dealing with a leper, and then we'll see the forgiveness of sin. Now, it's a very, very powerful passage. Let's look at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was this man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, Luke doesn't give us the details. It just says he was in one of the cities. This is while Jesus is doing his ministry in the northern part of Israel, around the Sea of Galilee. There was this man. There, a man comes, and he's covered with leprosy. It doesn't just say he had leprosy. It said he was covered with leprosy. We'll talk more about it in just a second. See, this, you know, most people know what leprosy is, and it's a skin disease. Sometimes in the Scripture, when, you, when it talks about skin diseases, and sometimes even the Old Testament will say leprosy, and it's not necessarily the leprosy that you know about. This probably is. And it says he was covered with leprosy. And anybody that had skin diseases in those days, under the Mosaic Law, especially the leprosy, they were cut off from the people. They were really hopeless. As far as we can record, in fact, in fact recorded, we don't see people record you know, being cleansed from leprosy except when Jesus did it or when Elijah told Naaman to go and, and uh, dip in the water and be healed from his leprosy. It just, when people got it, it was pretty much hopeless. And uh, they're cut off from people. You know, they, had, when they, they couldn't have contact with people. And when they decided to get outside and walk around, they had to be covered. And as they saw anyone, they had to say, unclean, unclean. They had to shout out that they were unclean so that people would stay away from them. They didn't have contact. This is in the final stages because it says he is covered with leprosy. If you talk to this man or if you talk to his family and you would say, what are the chances? They would say, there aren't any chances. Don't say, what are the chances? There aren't any chances. It's just a matter of time. In a sense, leprosy in the scripture is almost a picture of us because we're dead in trespasses and sins and it's hopeless. And what is the chance? There's not any chance that we can do something that would earn our salvation or, or gain a way to save us. That's why in the grace and mercy of God, Jesus Christ is the Savior. And watch what happens. This man knows about Jesus. Look, it says... And when he saw Jesus, this is a man covered with leprosy, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, he fell in front of Jesus, and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He fell on his face. That's an act of worship. He knows who Jesus is. He believes Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. That's why he falls on his face, and he calls him Lord, which is the aspect of deity. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, notice he didn't say, if you can possibly do it. He said, if you are willing he knew Jesus had the power to heal him. Jesus can do anything. He just didn't know whether Jesus would do it or not. See, sometimes we'll raise a prayer to God and we say, Oh, Lord, would you do this? Now, we know he can do it if he chooses to, if that's his plan. We just don't know if he will because we don't know what his plan is. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works everything together for good. And so here's this man falling down in front of Jesus, and he's not questioning whether Jesus has the ability to do it. He's just wondering if Jesus would do it. He says, If you are willing... You can make me clean. 
He believes Jesus is the one who can take away this sickness. Then notice something. Look at verse 13. And he is talking about Jesus. He stretched out his hands and touched him saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. See, he touched him. Now, I want you to know something. There is no telling how long it had been since somebody had touched this man. Now, we like to be touched. We like to hug people and shake hands and go, what's going on? And we like that contact. We like to be with people. What if you could never touch anybody? What if nobody could ever touch you? Nobody could hug you goodbye. Nobody could hug you goodnight. Nobody... What if that happened to you? Think what it was like for Jesus to touch this man. You know, we saw several weeks ago when that whole crowd lined up in front of uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house. They all came that night. Just hundreds of people lined up. And Jesus walked out and we said he could have said, Thank you for coming. You're all healed. He didn't do that. He made each one come and he touched each one. It took all night. Here's what he does here. He touches this man. We all need to be touched. Jesus touched him. And by by the way, by touching him, you know what? Technically, Jesus is now what? Unclean. You know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, I'm taking your infirmities. I'm taking your sicknesses. I'm taking your sins. That's what he is. He's our substitute. He took our sins. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, each one our only, but the Lord had laid on him all our iniquities. The God that used him made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus takes our sin. Jesus touched him and just notice what he said. I am willing. He touched him. Then he said, I'm willing. And then he made a command. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus said, I'm willing. And he touched him. And then he gave the command. Be cleansed. The command was for the disease to leave. And it's gone. That instant. That moment. It's not a process. He didn't say, look, go home and you know, go back and let's look a couple of weeks and let's see how it's doing. He didn't say that. He said, be cleansed, and immediately the leprosy left him. We have seen his power over demons, that he just speaks and they obey. He's seen his power over nature. We've seen his power over sicknesses. Now we see his power over this disease, leprosy. Jesus Christ is our God and our Savior. He is the one that can make us clean because we all were dirty with sin. We've all fallen short of his glory. There's none righteous, no, not one, but God in his grace touched us, cleansed us. Well, look what Jesus tells them to do. You might think that Jesus would say something like, I want you to go around now and tell everybody what I'm doing so that everybody will know who I am. That's not what he does. In fact, he says, and he ordered him to tell no one, verse 14, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He said, look, I don't want you to go out and tell anybody because, see, the crowds are so big already that he cannot even go places because people are coming to him not to hear his teaching necessarily. They're all saying, hey, if you go over there, you can get healed. And so all these crowds are coming. So he wants to kind of hold that down a little bit because the emphasis is not that I'm the healer. The emphasis is I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. 
And so he said, don't tell anyone, but here's what you've got to do. Go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He told him to go to the priest. Because, see, and you, if you want to write this down, you can. Don't look at it now. Leviticus chapter 14, beginning at verse 2, going through verse 32, that whole section dealt with what was a person to do if they had leprosy. When you first thought you had leprosy in the Old Testament, if you got any kind of place on your skin, you had to go to the priest. And you'd say, what do you think this is? And the priest would look at it. He'd go, well, I don't know. Come back in a week. We'll look at it more. I mean, and sometimes he'd come back and the priest would say, you got it. What you must do is separate yourself out. Now, if a person was healed... They were to go to the priest and say, I don't have it. I don't have it anymore. And the priest would go, wow, you don't have it anymore. And then they would say, here's a certain offering. They had to offer certain sacrifices. And it was really a testimony. Notice what Jesus said. Go show yourself to the priest. Make the offering just as Moses commanded what the law said as a testimony to them. Jesus wanted the priest to understand this. It's a testimony to the priest because when they came up and when this leper came up and said, I've been healed, everybody knew who he was. The priest would know him. The priest had already seen him a long time ago. They knew he had leprosy. They knew he was dying. He comes in and says, I don't have leprosy. Look at here. The priest would say, what happened? And he was like, Jesus touched me. Jesus of Nazareth, he touched me. The one He's claiming to be the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He touched me. It was a testimony to the priest. You know, as you see the ministry of Jesus Christ, the priests were open to Jesus. They were. They saw a lot of things. They saw his miracles. Do you remember at his death on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom? Who would see that? The priest. That's why you look at the very beginning of the, of the church age in the book of Acts. It says a great number of priests were believing in Jesus. They did. So it's very powerful. That I, so here, here he says, go show yourself as a testimony. What happened? It says, but, but the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Well, you know what? He, he, he probably went, and as he was going, he was going, I'm going to the priest, but guess what? I'm healed. I'm healed. Jesus touched me. I'm healed. You could see people going, let's get Aunt Martha there. Let's do something, because he can do it. And you know what? What did they think? Who could he be? Who could he be that has the power to heal people? Who could he be that has the power over nature? Who could he be? People are going, you know what? He looks an awful lot like the Messiah to me. Isn't that what we thought? In what when the Messiah comes according to Isaiah 62 and Isaiah 65, that the lame would walk and the blind would see and the, the death would, would be raised and, and, and all of these things? Isn't this what we see happening? So the crowds are coming. And notice it says, and that's why I like it, it says, but the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were coming, and now watch, to hear him. They came to hear his teaching and to be healed of their sicknesses. See, don't miss it. He's teaching the word of the truth of the gospel, the salvation message. He's the Savior. He taught the word. I think, and I've talked about this several times, but a lot of times we just think that Jesus would have went around and he would stop for a minute and he would tell a story to people and it might be a parable and he'd say, you know, a man went out to sow his seed. But what Jesus did was he would go into the synagogues and he would teach the Bible and people were coming to hear him and he would teach. So don't miss the part that Jesus' emphasis was the teaching of the Word of God and the healing of the people or doing the signs, the miracles. Now, watch something special, because as you know, what's going to happen is there's going to be more and more people. In fact, 
When we get to verse 17, and, he, and we see this, uh, that, he, that he heals this man, we're going to see there's such large crowds, they can't even get into where Jesus is. But notice what Jesus does, and this is a key for us. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Now, he would often slip away. He'd get off by himself and pray. He would get off by himself and maintain his fellowship with the Heavenly Father. And see, sometimes we look at life and everything's so busy and you've got two papers and a project and you something and you've got to fly out for this, your job and you've got this work to do and you've got all these things that got to be done in the yard or the house or everything just piles up. And you say, I'm too busy. I can't even stop. Jesus was more busy than anybody. The crowds just followed him everywhere he went. And yet, what does it say he often did? He would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. We need to make as a priority, and we're starting a new year, we need to make as a priority getting our time with our Savior. We need to try to do it daily. That's ideal. If you can get with Jesus Christ every day and read the Bible and pray and talk to him and spend time with him and get to know him, that would be ideal. That's what Jesus did with his heavenly Father. We need to do the same. Now, watch what happens. A great event. Verse 17. One day there were, he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Now we go to another event, and it says one day. This is just one day. He was teaching. As always, teaching. Now remember, he was teaching. He wasn't just telling stories. He was teaching the Word. And it says, and, and what you can't tell here, but he's in somebody's home. It's a fairly big house, obviously. And, and you can see him probably in that home. The room is just full of people. And then there are people outside trying to get in, trying to hear what he's saying. So just picture Jesus in a home full of people. I mean, just crowded all over the place. And then outside, people all around the house trying to hear what he's saying. So one day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of law sitting there. Now, think about it. Remember the Pharisees? Whenever we hear the name Pharisees, we always think bad. Pharisees started out good. That means to separate. When they came back from captivity, these Jewish people said, we're going to separate ourselves out to the Bible. We're not going to turn away from God. We're going to live by the Scripture. That sounded really good. But they didn't, because what they did is they began to add all kinds of things, and they became legalistic, and they moved away from the truth of salvation by faith, and they thought as long as you try to keep the law and all the rules and all the regulations, so they became legalistic people. And then notice it says, and the Pharisees uh, and teachers of the law, those were the scribes. They, this Greek word here is the law teachers. These were the people who knew the Torah. They knew the first five books. They also copied the Bible, so that's who they are. These religious leaders were there. Notice where it says they came from. These leaders were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea. That's the north part of Israel. That's the southern part of Israel is Judea. And even from Jerusalem. That's the big city. That's the capital. They've come from all over. Why are they coming? I want you to understand, they're not coming because they're saying, we believe in Jesus, let's all come and sit under his teaching and learn from him. They're coming because they're hearing all these things about him. They're hearing that people are getting healed and, and, and miracles and all these things. And so they're coming because they say, I want to see who this man is because he's claiming to be the Messiah. They don't believe he's the Messiah. In fact, we're going to find as we continue through the Gospel of Luke, he continues to have interaction with religious leaders. And as it goes on, they get more and more hostile to him because they realize what he's saying. They realize that they are wrong. If, if he is right, they are wrong. And they don't want to be wrong. And they don't want him to be right. 
And they will, as time goes by, they will do anything to stop him. That's why we're going to see as we go through Luke, they send people up to him all the time, asking him these questions, hoping that somehow they will stump him, they will trick him, they think that they can make him look bad, he'll lose his credibility. This is what they're doing. So they're all sitting there listening to what he is saying. It says at the very end of the verse, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Luke writes and says, I just want you to get ready. Something big's fixing to happen. Notice verse 18. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to sit him down in front of Jesus. And what we find is these four guys, they had a friend who was paralyzed. The Greek word for paralyzed literally is loosed on the side. That's what it says. It means, one of, it means his sides aren't working. He can't walk. He's not able to walk or move, and so he's got these friends, and they're carrying him. And it says on a bed or a pallet, it says that he was on a bed, but it's most likely a pallet or a blanket or like a stretcher. And they're coming, and they said, listen, we've got to get our friend to Jesus because he's paralyzed. But if we can get him to Jesus, Jesus will just touch him or something. He'll be well, so that's our plan. And so as they get to the place where Jesus is, they're going, what are we going to do? We can't even get in. The place is full. Everybody's all around the door. We, we're four of us. When we got this stretcher, how are we going to get in? We'll never get in. They, I mean, if we went up to people and say, excuse us, excuse they're not going to let us through. They said, all we have to do is get in, get in front of Jesus, set him down and say, Jesus, will you heal our friend? We know you can do it. That was the plan. Let me tell you something. They saw his felt need. His felt need was he was unable to walk. They said, what our friend really needs is to walk. But you know what? That's not what he really needed. See, a lot of times we look around and say, you know, if, if we just had more money, if we just had this, if, if we could just get well here, that's what we really need. No. They saw his felt need, which was unable to walk, but they missed, the second thing, they missed his real need. Healing from sin, forgiveness. See, there are people all around us, and they don't even know their real need. Their real need is they need a relationship with God. They need forgiveness of sin so they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ forever. But what they think they need is more money or healing or a better job or to be happy or something. They've got all these felt needs. There's nothing wrong with felt needs. But most people miss the real need, and that's what these friends did. They're saying, we just got to get them to Jesus because we want to get him healed. Well, look at verse 19. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, they said, nothing's going to stop us. We're going to figure out a way to do this. Now, in that day and time, houses uh, usually had flat roofs. And, that some, and there was a way, usually, sometimes from the outside, there were steps, usually outside a house, that you could walk up the side of the house and get to the roof. Sometimes in the hot weather, they would sleep on the roofs at night. Uh, there was a law that required if you have your house, you have to have a little banister around the top so that people won't go up on your roof and fall off and get hurt. So they look up and go, well, let's go up the steps. So they got him up the steps, got on top of the roof, usually a flat roof, and then they said, where, where was Jesus? About? Okay, so we're going to dig a hole. We're going to dig a hole through the roof. We're going to tear this man's roof up so that we can get our friend down into the room. That's pretty bold, isn't it? I mean, they're not just saying we like to get into the house. We have to tear the house up to get into it. We're going to get up on top of the guy's roof. We, don't even, we may not know the guy. We may know the guy. We're going to tear up his roof. And look what it says. Not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles. Ceramoi is the Greek word. Ceramoi for tile. We get ceramic from it. They tore open his roof 
Keep going. Now, can you imagine? Here's Jesus in there teaching. Here's all these people, and suddenly stuff starts falling down, and they're going, what in the world is going on? People looking up. The guy who owns the house goes, what is going on in my house? And what does it say? They let him down in the middle of the crowd on his stretcher in front of Jesus. You can just see Jesus is teaching. That'd be like right now, and suddenly a thing starts coming down from the roof, and you can see, of course, Jesus is not caught by surprise. Nothing surprises him. He knows everything. Jesus probably said, I wonder when y'all get here. But anyway, you could just see all these people in there, and then suddenly a stretcher's being let down. They probably used some kind of robes, or blood, and they're letting him down to the ground in front of Jesus, in front of all these people. Now think about the site. Now, this is pretty funny. The owner of the house. What would you do if that was your house? What did they tell him? What do you people think you're doing? Think about the crowd. They're all going, what do they think they're doing? What about the men that letting him down? You know what they're saying? You know what we're doing? We're going to get our friend healed. See, they had the felt need. Felt need. We, our guy, we want him to walk. We want him to be like us. We want him to be able to go around and, and have a real normal life. And so we're willing to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. I mean, they didn't just say, well, sorry, buddy. It's just so crap. We'll never get in there. They said, no, we're not stopping for anything because the most important thing is for our friend to get to Jesus. What will you do to see that the people you know and love and around you find out about Jesus? We're too tired. Oh, I'm too tired to help him. I'm too tired to do this. Oh, it's just an inconvenience. What will you do in the people that you know that maybe do not know Jesus, what are you willing to do to make sure they find out the truth about Jesus Christ? These guys were willing. They, they were thinking healing end of it. They were willing to tear up a guy's roof and let him down in front of Jesus just to get him there. Jesus, in the middle of his teaching, sees this man being let down. In the middle of all of this happening, there's Jesus. Look what he says, verse 20. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. See, they believed Jesus would heal him. He saw their faith. He, they knew who he was. They, they believed in Jesus must be the Messiah. Who else he can do it? And so what does Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. See, the word sin there means to miss the mark. His sins are forgiven. They're removed. He doesn't say, one day God will forgive your sins. He doesn't say that. He says, right now, this second, your sins are forgiven. The word forgiveness means to lift up and take away. They're gone. They're forgiven. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference between the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is different than the payment of sin. Now, sometimes people have never heard this. So if you've never heard this, just listen carefully. Here's what you realize. Payment of sin, I think, is payment of sin comes by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross, he paid for the sin of every human being. That's the payment of sin. First John 2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Every human being has the payment of sins. Forgiveness of sins is different. I think we have the next slide. Forgiveness of sins deals with relationship and fellowship, and it comes by faith. Acts chapter 10, verse 43 says, Whoever believes in Jesus Christ has the forgiveness of sins. So understand something. Every human being has the payment for sin. Only those who believe in Jesus receive forgiveness of sin. And understand something. Payment of sin does not bring salvation. When Jesus died on the cross and paid for the sins of the whole world, he did. That doesn't save everybody. 
You're saved by faith. Now, there's some people who are confused, and they think if Jesus died and paid for your sin, you're automatically saved. No, you are not. By grace, you have been saved through payment of sin? No, through faith. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever has the payment of sin will not perish, but have eternal life. That's not what he says. Whosoever believes, faith brings the forgiveness of sins. That's what we must have. And he's holding. You have forgiveness of sins. They saw his felt need, healing. Jesus saw his real need, forgiveness of sins. Now, if you were there, and you're one of those religious leaders, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, they would say, who does he think he is? He can't forgive sin. Nobody can forgive sin. Human beings can't forgive sin. The only person that can forgive sin is God. God's the only one that can forgive sin. And they are exactly right. Notice the next verse. Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Now, the word reason there, they're, they're not saying this out loud. They're thinking it. They're saying to themselves, Wait a minute. Who does he think he is? This is blasphemy. This is dishonoring God because he's claiming to be God. Only God can forgive sin. They've seen the entire event. They've seen it all. But notice what Jesus says. But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, he knew what they were thinking, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? He says, Why are you thinking this way? And then he gets to the point. Watch this. Which is easier to say? Your sins have been forgiven you? Or to say, Get up and walk. Now, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you because nobody can see if that's true or not. I mean, he could say to that guy, your sins are forgiven you, and everybody go, well, how do we know his sins are forgiven? Because you can't see that. He said, which is it easier to say, sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, it'd be easier to say sins are forgiven because you can't see it, but to say get up and walk, this guy's going to have to get up and walk. Whoa. So which is easier to say? Well, it'd be easier just to say your sins are forgiven. Watch what he says. But, so that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You can't see this, but so that you will know that I forgive sins, something you can't see, I'm going to do something that you can see. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your treasure, and go home. There's some key things in this verse. He says, first of all, that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. First of all, he calls himself Son of Man, which is the title of the Messiah. That's from Daniel chapter 7. When he said that in front of the religious leaders and said that you would know the Son of Man has the authority, they all knew right there he's claiming to be the Messiah. Second, he says, I have authority on earth to forgive sins so that you would know it. You can't see it because it's easy to say it. But I'm going to do the other thing then. He turned to the paralytic and said, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He says, I'll do the thing that's really the harder thing to say because you're going to have to see it if it's right. And look what happened. Immediately, not two weeks from then, but immediately he got up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home glorifying God. That exact moment, here's this guy who has been paralyzed, got up, went what do you know about this? And he picked up his thing, looked over at Jesus and went, Glory to God in the highest, and walked out of this crowd. And went home glorifying God. Notice who gets the glory. God always gets the glory. 
Jesus Christ is God. He gets the glory. He is the one who always gets the glory. He is the Savior of the world. Even when he uses us to serve him, he gets all the glory. He is the way and the truth and the life. We have seen his power over disease and demons and nature and now his authority to forgive sins. Look at the response by the people. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Now they were all struck with this astonishment. The Greek word means to be beside yourself. And we've talked about that word before. They were beside themselves. They were amazed. They began glorifying God. He gets the glory. And as I said a while ago, even when God uses us, because what he does... As he uses us, he empowers us, he gives us, he gives us the opportunities. And so any time God uses you and something great happens, God gets all the glory. Always does. They were filled with awe. God is awesome, remember? And then it says, we have seen remarkable things. Now, this is pretty unusual, but the Greek word for remarkable is paradoxa. We get the word paradox from it. They said, we've seen things that, whoa, it's just remarkable. They had seen a man healed physically and spiritually. Jesus shows his power to forgive sin. You know, we all have these felt needs, but the need of every human being is to have the forgiveness of sins, and that comes by faith. In Jesus Christ. What have we seen? Jesus touches this leper and he heals him immediately. He says, go show the priest. Then he said, Jesus heals this paralyzed man both physically and spiritually. All people saw it. God gets the, the glory and he shows Jesus, Jesus shows his power to forgive and they saw his power to heal. Let me give you, because the time is just about out, let me give you some applications. The first one is this. Let's glorify God for our Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we see. He gets all the glory. He gets glory all the time in everything in our lives. He gets the glory. I mean, I woke up this morning and I said, Oh, Lord, I don't even know what the streets are like out there and we want to have church. And so I just asked you, Lord, I hope I can make it. I got out. I went, There's nothing here. Thank you, Lord. You get all the glory. You let it miss us. It's the grace of God. People say, Oh, it's just nothing. No, it's big. It's big to me. It's real big to me. I hate driving and this stuff. It's big. Thank you, Lord. He gets all the glory. Now listen to this. A, understand that Jesus Christ forgives sins. He is the one who can bring people to an eternal relationship with God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. How does it happen? It's by faith. Payment of sin comes when Jesus Christ died on the cross. But forgiveness of sin comes by faith. So that takes us to B, and that is trust in Christ for forgiveness of sin. Acts 10.43, all who believe have the forgiveness of sin. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you understand Jesus died for you on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, and offers to you eternal life and forgiveness of sin simply by faith. And if you trust in Christ as your Savior, you get that exact moment, the forgiveness of sin, all by faith. It's incredible. There's a third thing, and we'll close, and that is this. Let's bring people to Jesus I mean, these guys, they went all out. They're going to do whatever it takes. They climb up on a roof. They knock a hole in the roof. They let the guy down. They're going to do whatever it takes to get this guy to Jesus. We need to realize that we need to do whatever it takes 
to get people to Jesus so that they can understand who he is. And, you know, there's a dual aspect. We, we want people to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The greatest need of all is not their felt need, but their real need, and that is to have forgiveness of sins. But many times people have felt needs, and Jesus can heal those and take care of those too. That's why he says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Let God know. Intercede for others. Let a request known. Bring people to Jesus so they can have eternal life and he can take care of them both spiritually and physically. May we give the glory to our God and Savior Jesus Christ as we bring people to Jesus who has the power to heal both physically and spiritually as he forgives our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for all of these things. We realize you get all the glory. You get all the glory in every aspect of our lives. We look at this passage, and you got all the glory that day. Thank you, Lord. We understand you are the one who forgives sins. It comes simply by faith. It's not by our works or righteousness or goodness. It's simply by faith. Thank you that you died on the cross, paid for sin, and have given the payment of sin for every person. You're the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the entire world. But, Lord, we know that anyone who will believe in you, trust in Jesus, will receive the forgiveness of sins and we must have that to have an eternal relationship with you thank you lord may we do whatever it takes to bring people to jesus we ask this in jesus name amen